attacked on using right-wing populist rhetoric to enlist a mass base to defend their unfair power, privilege, and massive wealth. Consequently, a large, middle-class, white constituency is baited into siding with organized wealth as a way to defend their relative privilege in society. Peasants from plutocracy. The blame for economic, political, and social tensions is transferred away from free market capitalism to leftists, communists, organized labor bosses, and other scapegoated subversives and traitors. As an afterthought, defense of unequal, racial, religious, and gender hierarchies is often mobilized as part of the counter-subversion effort. Rubber bullets at close range. Some poor fuck takes one in the chops. The cops move in quick. Nightsticks thumping off cop shields. Tapping on a temple. Welcome to Slime Wire. Choose your own adventure. Toraitan T2 and EK Men since they are broadcasting out of Portland, Oregon and Shikoku, Japan respectively. Vaporwave has begun to seep into the material world. We are living in dangerous times. Join us in our quest for truth in the vapor sphere. This is episode 2825 baby. First off Toraitan T2 notices that Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani look suspiciously like the espers in Katsuhiro Otomo's Akira, thus reinforcing the Akirification theory. Ikemen Sensei lays out new theories about the modern lumpen proletariat and Donald Trump's ascension through sheer force of will to either Emperor or Shogun of America. After some Neon Genesis Evangelion discussion the boys have a massive review segment including new music from Arcadia Suites. Paco Moreno, Holographic Technologies, Jungle Fever, Multimaquia, Stux.io and Cliché64, Zadig the Jasp, Girl.maskitYahoo.jp, Kidmania, Azenio, Alternate Skies, Disco Sam, Conexion Directa, Replica Federation, and Digital Sex, where we will crown the new winner of Vaporwave. We will now begin the show. Slime Water Choose your own adventure. Mahalo. Welcome to the SlimeWire Podcast, episode 2825, baby. Uh, my name is Triton T2. I'm broadcasting out of Portland, Oregon, and I am joined by my co-host. Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Uh, yes, my name is Ikemen Sensei, and I'm coming at you live from Shikoku, Japan. Nice. Uh, how was your rice? 
It was good. Nice. Uh, I put uh, some cool shit on there, and I ate it, and uh, yeah. All right, well, <laughs> let's get down to brass tacks. Um, I know you have a lot of thoughts. You have a lot of political thoughts about what's going on. What's going on in America today? Oh, well, uh, first yeah. off, there um, there was some news. Uh, fuck. Uh, so as of today, uh, Trump said that he is going to allow, start beginning to allow the transition towards the Biden presidency. And then a bunch of people like yelled at him and then he quickly said, but I'm not conceding the election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've uh, been up on that. So yeah, he's gonna like, there's like some sort of internal department which is in charge of like shuttling the new president in and like preparing everything for them. It's like some kind of thing that's like within the White House and he gave them permission to start doing their jobs, basically. Uh, and that's what happened. Oh, okay. Um, and that's all he... He just said, okay, yeah, yeah, you guys can start doing like the stuff that you are appointed to do. Um, but I feel like he can say that and do that without also simultaneously... Uh, conceding the election. It's not like contradictory for him to allow them to start doing that and then continue contesting the election. Okay. Um, here's something we should probably get out of the way uh, because I know it's it's uh, heavy on our minds, but the, the revelation we had today about how um, Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump look like the... Uh, Oh yeah, <laughs> I looked it up. They're um, they're called the Espers, right? Yeah, they're Espers. Yeah, the Espers in, in. in Akira. So Rudy Giuliani looks like the the main one that shows up in the beginning of the movie, yeah, right? Yeah. Especially when he's um, when he was like freaking out on stage and his like uh, <laughs> his hair yeah. dye was like dripping down his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen yeah. like I've seen people uh, I the reason I thought of it was because I did see a meme that compared his face to that shot. But then Um, I realized nobody has ever made the connection that Trump is like a spitting image of that other one (laughs) in the like hover chair. Trump looks more like that guy's, I'm pretty sure that guy, either the Rudy Giuliani one or the other one is named Masaru. I'm pretty sure the big fat guy is Masaru. And uh, yeah, Donald Trump literally looks (laughs) like exactly (laughs) like that guy. Like that little boy, uh, yeah. Like he has like the same cleft jawline. That's also kind of fat, you know. Yeah, and uh, like the same hairdo. Oh you always God. see him behind the desk, so he yeah, looks yeah, like yeah. He's in the hover chair. He's yeah, always in that hover chair. Um, so I was thinking about the third, the third Esper, which is like some uh, an old-looking woman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to think of who that would be. Um, an old child lady i think it's just like uh it's basically just any like aging boomer like racist white woman sort of looks like uh, that well who's the lady that was like the official spokesperson for the trump presidency i don't Uh, know he always picks like young hot like or like you know he doesn't pick bitches that look old old you know what i mean in his general vicinity yeah no (laughs) never (laughs) Can't blame him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so who's Akira? Because like you know, if you've seen the movie, Akira is the 
is like a disembodied set of like cells that and he was like the fourth child he was one of those weird old child baby things oh yeah so yeah you got to ask yourself who's who is akita because akita is sort of like this like mysterious name that people only know by their name and then um and then at the end it's revealed that he's just like five like he is just like a liver and like a little eyeball floating in a vat and um uh, i mean i think it's pretty obvious it's baron it's baron trump right oh yeah you're right right no no i think i feel like it's either george hw or george w (laughs) (laughs) not not jeb no not jeb uh because yeah akira exploded akira caused the giant explosion that destroyed tokyo it's kind of like yeah oh damn did they explain that in the movie I don't remember that part. It's very cryptic. It's very hidden. Okay. Who's on... Um, very end of the movie. Who's Tetsuo, then? <laughs> I don't know. Dude, we're Tetsuo. Uh, you're Kaneda, and I'm Tetsuo. No, I'm Tetsuo. You're Kaneda. Fuck that, dude. Why would you want to be Tetsuo? Because he's the cool one. Well, no, Kaneda's the cool one. He's the one that gets yeah. with the bitch at the end. Yeah, kind of is the one who turns into the giant, like, freak thing. And... No, that's Tetsuo. No, that's Kanada. Okay, Pretty well... Pretty sure that's Kanada. Okay, well, right. th- we're going off the rails. Um, anyway. Yeah, no, I, we'll look that up later. Uh, it's a disgrace that I don't know which one that I'm is. I'm pretty that. sure Tetsuo is the one that, like, is in... Goes to, like, the, the hospital and shit, because, you know, that whole Tetsuo... Kanada... <laughs> thing you know <laughs> yeah but isn't i always thought thought that it was tetsuo screaming oh no you're right you are right you're right okay i'm sorry anyways uh yeah uh okay well in that case i am tetsuo and you're Canada. no i'm tetsuo and you're Canada. well you are in japan so you're i live in japan i get to be probably cool. more like tetsuo okay well i'll be Canada. i'm the one that gets with the bitch at the end yes Right. You do get to drive away on your motorcycle. But anyways, um, so what's in the news? What's going on? Uh, it's looking like Joe Biden has been accepted as the 46th president of the United States. Well, that's now, only while, if you believe the lying news media. So. Only if you believe the, yeah, uh, yeah, th- those bastards. Um, and... So it looks like there is a an air of relief, a sigh of contentment is sweeping over the great land of America, and we are all getting ready. We're all excited to return to normalcy. I think yeah. that's what everybody thinks is going to happen. We're going back uh, to brunch. We're going back to brunch, yeah. Uh, we all get to go back to Whole Foods, and grab lunch at Five Guys Burgers and Fries and uh, have a good time. Um, and, yeah, so I think that's, like, the reason that Biden was elected in the first place, and I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, but <clears throat> already, there seems out of nowhere on the Twitters and Instagram feeds of young people around the country the uh, message is being relayed. Uh, 
you shouldn't, now is not the time to empathize with Trump voters, right? Like, you've probably, you're probably friends with somebody on Instagram or Twitter or somewhere uh, where there's somebody that you know has posted something that was like, uh, actually, um, I'm not, like, I'm, I'm not going to have uh, feelings for uh, Trump supporters, and we're not going to listen to what you said because you guys were racists this whole time, um, yeah. et cetera. Uh, I know even I, though they're, they're 50% of, like, the country right now. Yeah, even though it's about half of America. Uh, uh, left coastal liberal America has already is already this this ideological ideological message is propagating and um <clears throat> i don't know if there's anybody who's actually saying like okay fellows it's time to time to sit down and try to understand what made trump voters vote the way they did but i don't like i haven't seen anybody say that oh right? i haven't heard that at all yeah yeah there's not a single there's not a single like atlantic writer or a like writer for Time Magazine that's like, okay, well Biden won, so now it's time to try to suss out, uh, try to reach some compromise with Trump voters. Like, there's not a single one saying that, which should um, raise a flag that the uh, that these people people that are saying that they don't want to empathize with Trump voters. It is a kind of ideological defense against something, right? Yeah. It's a man. It's this, this weird manufactured response to a claim that nobody's making. Um, <clears throat> and like you know, the if you if you say something and nobody asks you, then you're probably lying. Right. If you answer a question that nobody asked, then you're probably lying about something. And I think it's the same way uh, with this. Wait a minute. Uh, Go. Channel. Wait. If you if you answer a question that somebody doesn't ask you, you're is that a phrase that I've never heard that before? Um, that is a phrase that I heard from a uh, YouTube guy that I like, <laughs> but he's a. He's a different, he's like a video game YouTuber. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, but anyways, it's a great phrase, and I think it applies here. Uh, basically, like, if you start saying something conspicuous like that, if you start saying something in reply to a message that nobody said, then that's like, that means that it's more of a psychological response for you, right? Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. Uh, so, but I think that we should be the first podcast, the first voices in the cultural sphere to send out the message that it's time to sit down and empathize with Trump supporters, right? Yeah, definitely. It's time to give them a seat at the table. It's time to uh, talk to your angry, disillusioned uncle at Thanksgiving dinner this weekend and uh, hash some shit out. You know what I mean? Unless um, it's like just um, like 
like obviously just racist. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. Like all I so really, I, I'm circling around the point that I want to make, which is that I think that uh, we are like I can I can feel from Japan. I can feel the warm, snuggly little blanket of uh, neoliberal complacency just settling itself over America as people, as uh, liberals and Democrats are just content in the fact that they've won. They have the next four years to uh, get back on their moral posts, their moral uh, uh, high grounds, and um, uh, just evangelize to people. And basically, uh, like, I feel like there is a huge danger of basically returning to the situation that got us Trump in the first place, you know? Yeah, because... Uh, um, basically just... Yeah, go ahead. Or, yeah, when, I mean, people were very um, comfortable, like, when Obama was president. And yeah. o- Obama's uh, five-dimensional chess move was to uh, get Donald Trump elected, you know? That's true. Yeah, they're definitely playing for the same team. But, um, yeah, so that, uh, uh, yeah, that worries me. It makes me angry. It makes me sick. <laughs> but uh, now is the time to start pushing Biden to the left, right? That's what I've heard from a lot of people. Yeah, but, like, how are you going to do that? Like, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, that is something that has been tried for the last two Democratic presidents, and it just doesn't, like, work because they don't have to do shit, you know what I mean? Like, the people that are to the left of... Biden and Obama and the establishment Democrats have no power whatsoever and they're not going to be able to affect any kind of change. I don't care uh, how, like, I don't think that the gains made by the left wing of the Democratic Party during the Trump presidency were permanent or lasting. I don't think... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is going to be able to uh, really affect policy very much at a national level because the total chaos of the Trump presidency, I think, is kind of what allowed them to advance as far as they did. And like the, the old neoliberal order that is going to... that is trying to reinstate itself under uh, Biden is actually poisonous for the, for the farther left progressive uh, movement. Yeah. And um, so like when um, like Trump is just aesthetically like bad. And so it like forces people to like, you can't, it, I mean, the whole thing is like you have to vote for Joe Biden because it's not uh, Donald Trump. But um, and so that forces all of these people with disparate ideologies to coalesce together, even though they're not fighting for like the same thing at all. 
right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> like, even though, like, I don't think I could. I don't think I could personally, psychologically handle uh, four more years of Donald Trump. But I also think that, like, I worry that. Um, we are back, we're going to be back to the same old shit that we were doing before 2016. And uh, the big thing that worries me <clears throat> is that uh, the this attitude of like reifying a divide between voting bases, uh, between left, liberal, coastal voting bases and uh, rural uh, Republican voting base is like, I don't think it's like an intentional thing that I like, I don't think like Joe Biden is like paying people to write think pieces for the Atlantic about why we shouldn't be so quick to forgive uh, Trump voters. But I still think that like, and like I have always thought for this entire time that the main thing, like, this is like that kind of sanctimonious, like, oh, well, they are ideologically impure. They're awful people. They're disgusting bigots and racists and xenophobes. And so it's not even worth talking. It's not even worth trying to uh, reason with them is a defense against uh, change, a defense against any hope of like the progressive left movement actually being able to make any kind of progress because a those like Trump voters account for a huge portion of the working class vote, which you are saying that you are going, that you are uh, fighting on behalf of and you're just not talking to them at all. And, um, uh, yeah. Okay. So why, why should we talk to them though? Why do um, we because, care? <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause they are, uh, we're, we're, we're um, we're city elites. I don't, yeah, I don't live are, in the middle of America. Elites. Yeah. But I think that like, uh, I mean, so this is the, like huge hypocrisy of um, of people that are liberal in America is like from the from like one standpoint. Like I totally get that. Like uh, I think that some like something that I don't experience that really like I can understand how people just basically totally fucking hate. Uh, your average Trump supporter, if they are women, LGBT, uh, people of color, or any other part of those communities, right? Just because their existence is threatened by uh, that ideological movement. But on the other hand, like the situation in the United States and globally is uh like you can also see how um like 
what matters more is not any kind of ideological commitment, but really the, like, what divides the Republican Party and the Democratic Party more than anything as tribes is the, uh, the two totally separated and divided economic systems which they are uh, reliant on. So like rural Republicans, the type of jobs they're likely to have and like the type of money that funnels into their communities are big giant agricultural, uh, uh, like giant industrial farm uh, industries and like what remains of like the industri- like the old industrial complex. Um, yeah, fracking. Yeah, that has just been, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that has been totally gutted and stripped by uh, the neoliberal world order of that started with Reagan and has been going ever since, uh, exporting uh, good jobs to other countries where they can do it for cheaper, blah, blah, blah. Uh, everybody probably already knows that story, but um, uh, like, so that is the rural Trumpian voting base, and then the liberal voting base is coastal, college-educated, part of the information economy, and in the United States and globally, that sector of society is just growing exponentially, gaining infinitely more power and uh, <clears throat> becoming the, like, the hegemonic and uh, economic, like, powerhouses of the world. Like, the global cities are where the people that basically rule the world live, right? Yeah. So, like, from that perspective, like... Um, if you are part of the blue tribe, you are winning and you have been winning for 40 years, you know? Um, so like, uh, like, I think that it is a little two dimensional to understand like the Republican base and the democratic base as, uh, <clears throat> like middle class people are going to be are more likely to be Democrats, and then like dumb, ignorant, backwards hicks are Republicans. So like people like constantly, there's this argument going back and forth about like who the real working class is. Is it Republicans or is it Democrats? Uh, is it represented better by either party? But I think that the truth is that there's Republican elites and then a Republican underclass. And there's Democratic elites, and then there's a Democratic underclass. And uh, the, like, our devotion to these tribes is, uh, you know, fucking everything up. And it, what we really should be doing is getting people from the Democratic underclass who are much more likely to be uh left-leaning socialist types and people from the Republican underclass who I think have infinitely more in common with each other and much more political goals, like common shared political goals, like the institution, like 
they have much more to gain from working together than they do from working with their respective elite bodies. And uh, uh, like that should be the goal. That's what we, that's what should happen is that the underclass, both underclasses should unite and topple the, the upper classes that have been fucking them over for a long time. Right. But, um, it's been uh, like, it's been almost like made impossible though, because people like people figure out politicians figure out how to cheat the system. So I remember what you were the last time we were talking, you were talking about how Trump had like his own specific way of like corralling these working class people in through a cultural like ideology rather than like an economic one. Yeah. And yeah, which I mean, fucking working class people have hated like Democrats for like a long fucking time. So it isn't like Trump didn't like invent this thing. Yeah, but um, yeah. when you, you were talking about how it's um, like, it's like a related to Marx. Right. Um, so the relationship, I mean, so I think that that part is a, uh, uh yeah like the um what was it called the um the Logan uh, so, Howe proletariat yeah yeah so the lumpen proletariat that that lumpen whole thing is uh uh like yeah so Donald Trump managed to mobilize the the kind of underclass the below class of the working class right uh which yeah, Marx referred to as the lumpen proletariat, and Marx said that uh, in the um, when Napoleon was rising to power, uh, he did so by forming a coalition between the lumpen proletariat and rural farmers um, that was able to get him push him into power. And so, like Marx's whole thing was that getting that lump and proletariat uh, class organized and active was like the key to Napoleon gaining political power. And uh, basically like <clears throat> Marx thought that um, the proletariat, like mobilizing the proletariat was the way to gain was the way to install a socialist utopia, right? But, like, every other Marxist after Marx has thought that it was the lumpen proletariat. Like, Lukács and um, Franz Fanon have all said that, like, the one of the key stages if you want to instantiate, like, a socialist revolution is that you have to get the lumpen proletariat uh, which in all of their times, the lumpen proletariat is an underclass of criminals and like kind of homeless people and off the grid nut jobs and lunatics and shit, right? You sound uh, like Trump voters, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> and like that's how you instigate a real revolution is getting those guys because they got nothing to fucking live for, basically. Uh, <clears throat> and they will they know and they understand the uh, the kind of urban uh, political centers 
way better than like rural working class people do um, because they they live there. So like they have all this understanding of uh, they see power working even though they don't participate in it in their daily lives. So once they are mobilized, they can, they're like this, they're like a faction that can really help install a revolution. And that is exactly what Donald Trump mobilized because the modern, like if you ask yourself who the modern lump and proletariat are, the lumpen proletariat are just proletarians without jobs that don't have no productive capacity. And if you ask yourself who those people are today, that is uh, 4chan dwelling, 4chan basement dwelling Neats. anime nerds, right? Weebs. Yeah. 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 Neats. Yeah. Sorry. Neats. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. So like uh, as a result of, an economy that is designed to become more efficient by driving up unemployment. Um, we have this giant underclass, a giant lump and proletariat of, yeah, like meats, uh, people on welfare, people that live in old industrial centers that can't get jobs that have to turn to, uh, dealing drugs in order to get by. And like, that is the group that Donald Trump mobilized in order to start, like to basically attempt a peasant revolt of his own. Um, and it totally worked. And uh, like, that is the people that I think that if we want to do something like that again, uh, except on our side now, then that's basically who we need. Um, and I think it's like, like those people, those people, like 4chan <laughs> people, uh, like those people. I am, I have so much more respect for their approach to politics on one level than I do anybody who's on the left, right? Because like, they view politics not as any kind of moral, like they have absolutely no interest in organizing, like in determining a correct set of thoughts, right? Or like- Yeah, any moral platitudes or- Yeah, 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 yeah. no moral platitudes. They have no goals. They do not have political goals. They just want to fucking do- Meme, meme Trump into the presidency. Yeah, they just want to stunt on people, you know? And they don't view, like, they do not view uh, politics as any sort of, like, it's not even a human thing. It's just like a set of levers and pulleys that you, that they figured out how to get access to um, by hacking into uh, the media by using the internet as like yeah by stealing their ideology into the public sphere um by means of the internet which wasn't policed well enough for anybody to be able to prevent it and like that is the type of shit and this is another thing that like many leftists say this uh like that is the type of shit that we got to be doing right um 
but we can't do it. They can. That's why we got to reach out to these guys. And I think that, um, like, like I, it has long been a kind of uncomfortable opinion of mine that, like, I don't think that any of these people, like, I don't think any average Trump supporter is really that deep down racist, right? Like, yeah, those there there are racist, but they're they're on the fringe, you know, and they might yeah, have yeah. prejudices, and they might, you know, they might be afraid of antifa thugs coming in to yeah. like ruin their suburbs or their small towns, which Antifa really doesn't give a shit about your small town. But, <laughs> yeah, um, nobody cares about your small town. I mean, they I, you can't blame them for being afraid of this stuff when it's, like, being shoved into their faces constantly. Yeah, I mean, and, I think that, like, uh, like having come from a family uh, who, in many ways, like, I know... I mean, everybody in my family, so this is all totally anecdotal, but, like, everybody in my family and in my family's immediate social circle was some type of Republican, right? Or was at least, like, your average Republican-leaning, like, mild center-right type people. Yeah. And, like, my dad was a middle-class Republican. His brother was a lower-class Republican, his other brother was as like a down and out dude who lives with his parents and he's a like fringe class, old. fringe class Republican. Right. Yeah. So I know every single one of these people and not a, there's not a single one who is like seriously racist in the sense that they, if they met a black man, they would be, they would be incensed. You know, they would never threaten uh, the lives of any of these people. I think probably 90% of Trump voters did got on the side of Trump in the beginning because they were just kind of fucking annoyed by hearing constant messaging from the uh, from the sanctimonious like liberal uh, coastal media centers about how racism is really bad and you gotta really like we it's all of our jobs to like blah 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 do this and you know basically stuff like feeling like they're they were marginalized and they also didn't um you know this whole like case that uh <clears throat> their free speech was being censored uh by the left because they couldn't say the n-word anymore blah 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 um which was all like shit that was fed to them in order for them to stay on the right wing and if they actually like it would take so little to push those people uh into the left wing i really think that i don't Um, see it like i mean the way that people are reacting to like the election um they're just being like completely demonized though so i'm not sure i see that happening like anytime soon like we were talking about um they're like like, why wouldn't they be, like, scared of Democrats stealing the election, you know? If they're yeah. being fed this information, they've been told that CNN is lying. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been told that, like, they're, like, raving mobs of people that want to come destroy their communities, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, if you were them, if you believed in the things that they believed in, you'd be scared as fuck right now. Yeah, you know? yeah. You'd be totally scared shitless. Um, and, uh, yeah, <clears throat> um, I remember reading this thing that, like, uh, it was a mathematician, and he did some kind of, like, he analyzed a set of data, and it was... Uh, like, based on his experiences as basically like a left-wing, not a left-wing person, but like a liberal person, uh, and how often he had met in his life, he was like 36 years old, like how many times he'd actually met and talked with a uh, a single Republican, like a single right-wing dude. And it was like three times in his life and he, like, did some calculations that was, like, to the effect that taking his life as an average, uh, your chances of running into and interacting with a person on the right wing, if you are a left-wing person and vice versa, are, like, one in, like, a fucking, in, like, three million, right? <laughs> like, the amount, the extent to which... Uh, our lives are governed by which uh, social tribe we're on, like which political, like people call it political things, but I do not think that it's really political in any meaningful sense of the word political. It really comes down to like two opposing ways of life that I think are based on um, your ultimately based on the the means of production that you are a part of, right? Okay. Um, so, but uh, I think that, like, so yeah, like, the chances of anybody crossing those divides, it's, like, so difficult to do it, right? Like, you have, like, the chance that you, Morgan Fol Folkers, are going to walk into a bar where uh, Republicans hang out is like so small that it's almost meaningless, right? Like you don't even know where to find that bar in Portland. Um, so I think that you're right in the sense that you were saying like, it doesn't seem like any of that's going to happen anytime soon. Like there's no real chance that the Republican underclass is going to get swayed anytime soon but i also think that if we could do it like if you can breach that divide then it would totally change everything i don't know it's our best hope it's our best hope absolutely <clears throat> um yeah what were you saying about um fucking let me let me pull it up our convo that we had what were you saying about Donald Trump, the new emperor of America? Oh, yeah. Okay, this is our new segment. It's uh, Donald Trump, emperor of America. Part <laughs> new two. segment. All right. Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, okay, so, like, uh, I think that Donald Trump has basically seized... Donald Trump has successfully pulled off a coup. And he might not realize it yet. 
uh, like Republicans might not really realize it yet and understand it yet, but he has basically, uh, like, he now has an avenue to seize power, uh, to seize a power that is beyond like the at the regular functioning functioning of the United States uh, political system, right? So like he has basically the unswerving loyalty of almost every important Republican politician, right? Yeah. So like the majority of Republican politicians have still not like they are still towing the line that Donald Trump has not lost the election, right? Like some except for our buddy, Chris Christie. Except for the absolute boy, Chris Christie, uh, who is fucking... Sh- I just, like... Okay, I love... <laughs> like, it's just so funny to me that, like, he was running against Donald Trump. He said a bunch of horrible shit about Donald Trump during the elections, during the primaries in 2016. And then he just totally switched sides and became, like, a hardcore, like, loyalist to Donald Trump. And now, like, at the first sign that something has gone wrong, he's like, yeah, Donald Trump's a disgrace to this country. He should be ashamed. <laughs> like, he's just, like... He's just a awesome, dude. I know, <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. I think that he is... And he's a crackhead? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that he... Uh, like, I don't think he's, like, a sly, conniving, like, political opportunist or whatever. I think he's, like, he just doesn't have a filter, and he's just saying what comes natural to him, you know? Like, he's just kind of doing what, he's going with the flow. Yeah, he's, he's just, just an East Coast asshole that never shuts up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love how now, yeah, like, he's already trying to, He's the first rat that's abandoning the ship. Like he's the first rat that's jumping off the ship. Um, yeah, I just thought that was really funny. But uh, so yeah, uh, so Donald Trump has the loyalty of the Republican Party. He has basically a total vice grip over the Republican Party because he, f- for the next four years at least, because he can run for president again. Right, and if he runs for president again, he will be the nominee. There's no chance that any other Republican can be the nominee if he decides to run next year or in the next election. Right? Oh yeah, he'll destroy all of them. Yeah. So, for that reason, he has complete fucking hegemony over the Republican Party at this point. Um, uh, nobody can fuck with him. Um. And, like, even if somebody doesn't, even if he decides not to run again, the person that he appoints to run again, uh, or the, the person that gets his blessing, will probably be the nominee. Like, the Donald Trump seal of approval within the Republican Party now has so much power that uh, it would be, like, senseless to try to... Um, fight against it right so like all of the basically political opportunists um and fucking rich snobby disgusting uh republican politicians like since they are opportunists and since almost all of them have no ideological incentive to 
fight against Donald, to try to go against Donald Trump, uh, they're not going to do it because they all know that it would be career suicide to try to go against Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Uh, so he's got that in the fucking bag, which means he has the voting base in the bag. Like he has Fox News. And, like I think it's a lot of like self-reinforcing stuff. Like the fact that he has the majority of the Republican voting base listening to him personally on Twitter uh, means that Republican middle-tier politicians can't turn against him. And then the fact that none of them can form any kind of coalition to turn against him uh, means that he's going to only be able to grow his voting base, right? So... Mm -hmm. Um, he has figured out how to totally fucking take over, uh, that party, right? Um, and he's Even if he doesn't it. realize it, yeah. Yeah, 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 even if he doesn't realize it, and he's done it by, like, uh, using the emergent technology of the internet, uh, to, like, wrest power away um from the from its traditional avenues right um so uh because he has that platform the platform of the entire republican party he now will be able to use that for the next four years because there's going to be a stacked senate uh uh where democrats are not going to be able to push through any legislation whatsoever because of the way the uh, Senate and the House of Representatives is has turned out uh, yeah, Mitch McConnell's still there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mitch McConnell's still fucking up the gutty works, right? He's going to be able to influence uh, Republican politics for the next four years from outside the presidency, right? Like, he's not going to be a politician in the strict sense of the term. He's not going to have political office. He's not going to be restrained by any of the things that come with uh, the idea of being in political office. Uh, so he's going to... I, like, I think he is going to have a tremendous amount of power. And even if he doesn't exercise that power, the fact that he has carved out, he's created a, a route, he's created a play uh, that other people will be able to replicate. A chess move. <laughs> Uh, yes, a divine chess move. A 5D chess move.
uh, one could almost say he is the chess master. Wait, hold up. He's the he's the chessumasu. He's the chessumasta, as we call it in Japan. In, and in vaporwave. And in vaporwave more broadly, but uh, is there really any difference between the two? But yeah, so like, okay, so. Uh, yeah, so I think that he's going to have uh, a lot of power for the next four years that he will, either he or somebody is going to consolidate into a into a total dominating force in politics for the foreseeable future. And... Um, and so, like, I don't know. So, like, to me, it just kind of feels like it's the beginning of uh, <clears throat> the story of a democratic system or a any kind of previous political system becoming defunct, right? Like, people think that because Donald Trump has lost the presidency that he's out of power. But I think that the really scary thing is that we are seeing the dawn of a way to consolidate political power that just totally eclipses the presidency, right? Yeah, it exists um, outside of like our understanding of political uh, structures and yeah, offices. Yeah. yeah, so like Donald Trump isn't gonna need the presidency to rule the United States, right? Um, he is basically carving out a position that is higher than the presidency. Um, and he's doing it by using tactics that are like uh, reminiscent of like a Napoleon. They're reminiscent of when I always think of, and this is a weird metaphor, but it's, like the decline of the emperorship in Japan uh, is eerily similar because uh, like in ancient feudal Japan, there were, it was basically the same power split as it is in the United States. There were these big, two big cities. There's actually only one really big city that everybody wanted to live in and where everything happened. And then there were just rural shitholes right yeah and basically uh some basically a gang of people the samurai started out as like basically kind of mafia type people they would offer protections to farmers and stuff uh from marauding invaders at the price of a heavy tax right so that's how the samurai came into power and eventually they were able to consolidate power um in a way that like the emperor ship didn't like they didn't depose the emperor they didn't destroy the previous government that had existed they just incorporated it into a system that was bigger than it right so eventually the leaders of the samurai shogunates consolidated their power and just by the mere fact of having a larger power, a larger influence 
than the old Japanese government that spelled the end for the old Japanese government. So, like, there was still an emperor, but he has been a figurehead for the last, like, thousand years because the samurai were able to seize power in such a way that it just kind of naturally happened that he became a figurehead, right? And, like, that has happened many times in history. Like, that's usually how... So, wait, uh, so so Donald Trump is not the emperor of America. He's the samurai. Uh, he's the shogun of America, yes. American shogun. Okay. Donald Trump, American shogun. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Like, that is, to me, that's what ha- that is what's happening. Donald Trump is setting a precedent for how you can r- wrestle, wrest power from an existing political establishment without, you know, necessarily toppling that establishment, just rendering it defunct, right? Like, if Donald Trump has basically a direct line via Twitter to most of the Republican voting base, which includes, like, if you think of, like, these segments of the population that that includes, it's like, okay, so basically Donald Trump has direct ideological sway over every police officer in the United States, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. and he has the Republican Party in the in the palm of his hand. Like he, if he exploits what he has right now, uh, he can he can just take take everything over. He won't have to be president. Um, and yeah, scary stuff. It's scary shit. Uh, and so that segues into I think the other like resemblances of. Uh, that I see between Donald Trump and other dictators and other like, you know, uh, authoritarian blah, blah, blah guys is that like, he is uh, basically the mirror image uh, of the Republic or of the democratic conception of governance in the 21st century. Right. Because like the democratic party, is all about, um, and, and like, it's something that I, like, in 2016, I was railing against as a young, recently radicalized uh, guy, uh, is, like, the ruler, should the takeover of America by a technocratic uh, elite, uh, a... Uh, meritocracy but not really based on merit but uh like the model of democratic democratic rule is uh um there is no room for politics in the sense that politics is like a uh a battle for different human beings views of what society should be right like politics is just the art of administrating society and and it's just a an art of like crunching numbers and figuring out just statistically how we're going to run a society where 
there will be some incremental changes for the lower classes and there will be profitability for the higher classes and uh, <clears throat> everything's going to basically remain the same, maybe improving a little bit, maybe not uh, forever, right? So it's an autocratic society. It's a society which is not governed by anybody uh, except for the uh, algorithmic calculations and the people that run them. Um, it's a completely detached and depersonalized set idea of governance. Um, <clears throat> and that was, you know, what I think myself and many uh, socialists at the time, like in 2016, that's what we were pissed off at what the, Demo uh, what the Democratic Party was, right? Um, and basically, Donald Trump is like the exact opposite of all those things. Because Donald Trump is a man who rules by directly, by his own will, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, he's just a man. He's one man. And he is like... One man against the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's not... Uh, He's not trying to rule in order to make anything a better place. He's just trying to exercise his will. <laughs> you know, like there's no, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's not consulting any experts about like what's going to help the economy or anything. Like he's literally just like, fuck it. Okay, we're going to cut off trade negotiations, no negotiations with China because like fucking the National American Free Trade Agreement is just some pussy shit. So we're just going to fucking stop that. And it's just what he feels like doing, you know. Uh, he is one man who uh, uh, sits astride the world, as Hegel said of Napoleon. Uh, Hegel famously, while he was finishing, finishing the Phenomenology of Spirit, his masterwork, he, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, he was in his town in Austria and he saw... Napoleon and his troops riding through. They had just taken over some shit. And he said, I can't remember the exact quote, but it said, he was basically like, damn, Napoleon's a fucking total badass. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and he said something like, Napoleon is one man who, from uh, sitting on the top of his horse, uh, saddles the entire world. <laughs> or something like that but but that's a very hegelian idea because like that's a really for, depressing image of like donald trump straddling the world yes yeah. but it is the world uh now contained and now completely subsumed within the will of one single man and that is what donald trump is doing and i think that like and the other thing is like the like democratic model of governance is very is faceless like any kind of like autocratic government is going to be faceless because there's no once again there's nobody who's making decisions there's only people that are 
consulting statistical models and um, you know make and seeing like oh, okay well like if we distributed wealth in this kind of way maybe that would be the best uh, way to do things according to the models that we've created um, and so that model of governance is necessarily private um, because there's nobody to be a public figure for it uh, but Donald Trump is not private Donald Trump is public Donald Trump just straight up says the shit that's going on. There's nothing that is private about Donald Trump, not even the contents of his own mind. He just says whatever he fucking feels like in front of the entire world. Um, so like that is, so that's you asked about there. I was talking something about uh, Hegel and that is, that's what I think is emerging is that, Donald Trump's vision of uh, governance in the 21st century is the Hegelian negation of the democratic view of governance. Or it could be the Hegelian sublation of the democratic view of governance, which itself was the negation of a previous governmental model. And, um, uh, yeah. So that's what I think is happening. Um, and we're just going to have to wait for the inevitable off-hebung and the uh, realization of freedom within history. Yeah, we strive for freedom here at Thank you.
Coyote outside. Coyote. Coyote. You call them coyotes too? When I was a kid, my dad always called them coyotes. And then as I got older, I realized that that was a weird thing to call them, that they're coyotes. Perfectly normal thing to call them. Uh, I feel like it's a backwoods Oregon thing to be like coyotes. There's coyotes Coyotes. out there. Coyotes. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds it sounds more like a um like a, a scientific name. Coyote just sounds cooler. I think coyote sounds cooler. Okay, fuck you. Um, yeah, no, get, get wrecked, bitch. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you do you want to talk about neon NGE Neon Genesis Evangelion, or do you want to talk about these fucking fifteen vaporwave albums that we we're gonna go through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's go NGE first, vaporwave second. All right, we have our priorities straight here at the SlimeWire podcast. We do. Um, well, we want to save the best for last. True. Um, so yeah, I watched the episode uh, where they're they're on the sea, and we meet Asuka. Oh yeah, yeah. So what'd you think? <laughs> uh, uh, I really, I think I, I'm not. Sh- I strongly feel that that episode is probably regarded as a classic episode within the. Uh, fan base of the Genesis Evangelion and there's a lot of classic scenes in that episode and of course it is the episode where you meet uh, Asuka yeah so so uh, give me your thoughts give me your impressions your questions and your concerns um, Asuka's cool she's pretty hot you know you yes, know of course. she's white she's white, she's white yeah. for sure yeah she's white she's German right yeah that's hot that's cool as hell. Yeah, Germans yeah. have cool voices. Um, the yeah. who's the other the other captain, the dude with the man bun? He looks like Nico. Oh, uh, Kaji. Yeah, he looks like Nico. The kind of twenty-something-year-old dude, or the sort of like younger guy. Yeah, the one that escapes on a helicopter. Yeah, that there. It's implied that him and Misato have some sort of, uh, of course, sexual history. Yes. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's Kaji. Yeah, yeah, I guess he does look kind of like Nico. <laughs> I mean, he looks like your average, you know, 20s. He has, he has black hair and a man bun, so. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but I don't think Nico's ever worn a button-up shirt in his life. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, anyway, yeah. but yeah, the episode is, is good. Uh, cool, cool robot fights. Um, uh, I, <laughs> one thing I noticed, I don't know, maybe this is, um, I feel like this had a meaning to it, but when, yeah. um, fucking, when Shinji and Asuka are in the Evangelion together, you know? So yeah. normally, you know, Shinji would be in the back, you know, riding Asuka. But at the the moment, the climatic moment, Shinji's in the front, just getting just getting rammed, uh, you getting know, rammed by, by, by Asuka. Yeah, I feel like getting that was. Pegged. Yeah, he was getting pegged, um, not, not literally, but uh, <laughs> metaphorically, and I th- I think that that was intentional. Was that huh. intentional? Uh, yeah, I um, I don't know. I don't see any kind of deeper meaning in it uh oh, damn it. 
Yeah, I mean, like, you, you know, like, Asuka is the, once again, this NG is the thing that makes it cool is that it takes well-established anime tropes and subverts them. And Asuka is the very stereotypical, headstrong, young, giant robot pilot with everything to prove uh, and a hot temper. And a lot of times that uh, character is a man. Usually that character is a young man who starts out as like an enemy of the main character and then grows to befriend him as he discovers that the main character is honorable and uh, worth his salt on the battlefield. But... Inji's neither uh, of those things. Yes, it's a girl. And uh, I think that Asuka is one of the best characters on the show in the way that she is, like, hyper-realistic. And she... it's She's, like, the perfect character where uh, the creators of the show were like okay hey you know that guy like this this kind of trope character that we're all familiar with in giant robot anime what if he was real what if he had like the real version of that is uh, just a fucking dude with a horrible anger problem and severe narcissistic disorders in their personality and uh, and is unable to change or become a better person and just makes life miserable for everybody um so that is like as the show goes on you'll see asuka sort of embody that uh so if anything she should be but i guess so i guess you are kind of right in that like she has a big front of being super strong and tough but then shinji's actually the one that's gotta save the day most of the time so you will see that repeat itself over the course of the uh, show. Okay. So yeah, it is It is symbolic, I guess. Sure. Sure, it's symbolic. Why not? <laughs> yeah, uh, besides that, yeah, I don't have much else. Cool, cool episode. This is going to take forever. We're only recording every two weeks now. I'm watching one episode of NGE every two weeks. I'm going to be watching this <laughs> show for a goddamn it's gonna year. Take, it's going to take an entire year. It is. Uh yeah, well, I mean, feel free to watch more than one episode. No, I want to keep it fresh. I got to keep it fresh, you know. Maybe I'll, yeah, maybe I'll do two at a time, you know. Yeah, because I am going to be honest, I've almost repeat finished the series again. Um, I am taking this as a chance to practice my Japanese by watching it in Japanese with Japanese subtitles. And uh, so I am on episode 20 now jesus christ i did watch it i did watch it in japanese this time yeah with english subtitles of course oh yeah you got it you got it and it was better it was better yeah it is better it never i mean it's so much better um yeah so i think that like uh this episode had the introduction of asuka where uh it has that really cringe scene at the very beginning where they uh whip out each other's dicks you know? Oh, yeah. You know yeah. Yeah, I didn't find that cringe. I found it endearing. Really? No, nah, I don't know. Um, no, nah, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, well, it's... she didn't whip out her dick. She It was sort of a Marilyn Monroe type situation, right? 
Yeah, yeah, but then the guy whipped out his dick. Yeah. Uh, I will say that having spent a year with eighth grade Japanese, like, children, that shit uh, does not seem unrealistic to me at all now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like a 13-year-old Japanese boy, yeah, that sounds like exactly the type of shit that uh, they would do. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, you also get to see uh, Shinji's budding sexuality when they're in that... Uh, when she's changing into her suit, you know, and he tries oh, yeah. to like, peek at her. Yeah. Um, and I love just sort of the misery. Like, Shinji's basically just, his sexuality is a burden to him, and just a series of shame and embarrassment, uh, which I enjoy in his character. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, do you have anything else about it? Uh, not really. All right. Well, we have we're stepping up to the plate as vaporwave music reviewers, and yeah. we've we've gone through about I think it's sixteen. We've gone. We went. We listened to sixteen recent vaporwave albums, <laughs> and uh, we're we're not going to go in depth into all of them, but we're just gonna we're just gonna go through and tell you what we thought. So. Yeah. Um, First up, we got Floating Palace by Arcadia Suites off of the label Cell Death Tapes. Uh, yeah, uh, this is like, I'm, I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find that email. No word. Uh, wait, wait. There it is. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, Cell Death Tapes, Floating Palace. Yeah, What'd I, you thought think? It, I thought it was cool. A uh, spacey vapor trap. Um, by the, I think the first like couple songs, I was like, okay, and then by the end, I was like, I was pretty into it. And I was like, okay, it's cool, cool vibe. I liked it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just thought, oh, this is vaporwave. You know, it is what it is. Okay, not pretty. Yeah, it was good. Next. I liked. I enjoyed it. Okay, next um, we have No Problemo by Paco Moreno on Bogus Collective. Oh, this one I didn't listen to. I'm sorry. Oh, well, I I liked it. It was good. It was really all over the place. Um, it, uh, yeah, it actually wasn't that good. There were, there were like some good songs near the tail end, but it was very, very, very all over the place and didn't, was not cohesive at all. But besides yeah. that, good. Fine. Good. Okay. It's fine. Next. Okay. Color Table by Holographic Technologies from Occasionally Tapes. I loved this one. What did you think? Yeah, so I know that you were very much into it. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, I uh, I was very turned off by the uh, uh, channel fade effect in the first song. Yeah, it was uh, a li- it was a little bit too much. It's very dis- disorienting to me. Um, so I started off with a big chip on my shoulder with this album because I thought, God, could you just stop doing that? <laughs> um, but other than that, I thought like. This is once again, it was like uh, very stuck to very mainline entry of Vaporwave, right? Yeah, it was very just much. really like smooth. And uh, there are a lot of the samples on there I've, sorry, I recognize from other Vaporwave releases. So I think it's just you know, very simple Vaporwave, but really, like really uh, kind of cool. I liked it a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I liked it. I uh, I listened to it while I was doing my laundry, and I thought it was 
very like kind of fulfills uh, the purpose of vaporwave of like in that it's something that you can put on while you're doing something while you're outside doing something <laughs> yeah um, and so I enjoyed it for that it it filled that hole all right so yeah I think you uh, I think you were a little bit more into it than I was all right next um, we have vaporwave drum and bass by jungle fever from tiger blood tapes um, I feel like you might have liked like liked this one I wasn't that into it I thought I was going to like this one because I was like, oh, drum and bass. That's cool. Drum and bass vaporwave. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like, it really, uh, it didn't, it doesn't have a, enough uh, super hard hitting D&B drum sounds for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I kind of like that. Like, at first, I like that about it because I like the idea of like fast and complicated technical drum patterns without the sort of like uh, amen break uh, drum sound you know I always want to hear that I've always wanted to hear that but it just wasn't uh, it wasn't ostentatious enough it didn't have enough savage breakdowns it didn't have enough super crazy complicated drum patterns in there to satisfy me on the drum and bass aspect of it and then it also wasn't chill silky smooth vaporwave so it in trying to be two things it failed at being both yeah i think it's just dumb it's just just a cheap concepts thing yeah like oh it's vaporwave and it's drum and bass see i like and like you're right this is something that i would you would think would be right up my alley you know what i mean uh but this wasn't just go fuck itself (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, zero stars out of uh, zero heads out of half a head. We'll we'll do one. our Roman bus thing next time. We'll figure it out. But, uh, <laughs> no, we should do the we should do the Roman bus thing for the uh, for the ones that we cared about. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you yeah. liked this next one uh, from yeah. Dream, Dream Catalog Multi Machia. Uh, no matter how wet with tears the palms become, all our hopes <laughs> will turn into black sludge. Let's just call it black sludge. Uh, yeah. Let's just shorten it to black sludge. Um, so I, you said that you thought that this was like some really derivative, something that you've heard before. Yeah, I thought it was standard dream catalog fare um, without the soul and the purity of like some of the more special dream catalog releases. Gotcha, gotcha. So it didn't have that uh, that HKE spiritual wandering around a big empty city uh, neon lights kind of vibe to it, right? Yeah, it's everything about like that whole like uh, um, like ambient electronica scene that's like popping up now, but without the things that make it like really special. I thought. Huh. Yeah. See, I. I think I agree with you in that it doesn't sound very HKE and it definitely doesn't sound very Dream Catalog. You might have been going in to this release with some expectations uh, that weren't fulfilled, which is what caused you not to like it. But I was surprised by how much I liked it because it really reminds me of like 
some type of like when I was in high school and I was just starting to become like a hipster douchebag and I wanted to find all the cool music and like blogs, like music blogs were just becoming a thing and they were like indie blogs and you would go search for indie music. And most of the time it would just be like, you know, like a four piece band with like a semi hot girl at the, as the main singer. Um, but then occasionally you would get some like weird shit, like black milk. That's what I remember. Like always going on these things and being like reading about black milk, a, uh, experimental noise music duo from New York and black milk's new release. And I remember downloading black milk's release, trying to get into it and being like, ah, this, this, this kind of sucks. I don't like it very much. And I've never uh, heard of black milk. Yeah, and they did really like really cool experimental music in the mid 2000s and probably the early 2010s. But uh, yeah, so this reminds me of that. And I felt like I got a chance to go back in time and with ears that can appreciate that kind of sound. It sounds very much to me like uh, ambient and experimental music from before the digital age or at least the 2010s digital age. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I really like uh, Time... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go, go for it. Uh, my favorite tracks. Time Left Us More Broken Than Before and to, win- to Wind is Leading Us to a Cliff would be my two favorite tracks off that album. Time Left Us More Broken Than Before definitely reminded me a lot of mid-2000s experimental music that I tried to get into as a teen and couldn't because I was mentally weak. <laughs> well, this is um, really quick. This is as good a time as any to talk about uh, the recent announcement of the closure of Dream Catalog, because this is a Dream Catalog release. Did you hear really? about this? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. So um, Dream Catalog has announced that they are closing but they still have like a bunch of uh, releases to get to. They have like a long release schedule. Um, it's mm. pretty, their website has been wiped out. I'm trying to find, they wrote like a statement. Um, I was going to see if it's on their website, but their website has been completely wiped, wiped out. There is nothing oh, there, uh, which is interesting because I know like we were sort of like half listening to the dream catalog podcast and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it sounded like they were like really like into ready to go. Yeah, yeah, like getting back they were like entering catalog. a new era of Dream Catalog, but um, you know, um, I don't like HK like changes his mind all the time. I highly doubt this is the last we'll hear of these guys, and they still have like four or five more releases that they have scheduled. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine they'll come back by the time that they release those like five albums or something. Yeah, I think that uh, either way, like, HKE is basically Dream Catalog, right? So as long as he's making music, that's kind of all that matters. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, okay, well, next, uh, we've got Villa Party by Stux.io and Cliche94, a split album from uh, the label Bogus Collective. Uh it was like vaporwave synth 
stuff. I think it, a lot of it was original music. Um, oh, yeah. This is why I didn't like this album, because it sounded like original music. Who wants yeah. to hear that? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, I felt like this... Um, yeah, this was... Once again, it didn't really pop out to me. I thought it was serviceable vaporwave and it kind of leans on the side of like less uh, uh, higher concept vaporwave, you know, kind of like, uh, yeah, what's that album you're always telling me to listen to? God damn it. Farsight Virtual? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of Farsight Virtual and I'm just not, you know. This you doesn't know, sound like far, Farsight Virtual is way more experimental than this. Yeah, so I understand it's more experimental, but it's still the musical palette reminds me more of that that style, that lane, that way of conjuring 80s music. And I, I'm just I, not a big fan of You have a bizarre concept of what Farsight Virtual is. You should, really, you, you should go back and listen to it, because I don't think it is what you think it is. I think it is pretty much what, exactly what I think it is. Okay, well, that's a difference. That's a difference of arguments. Uh, that's another anyway. episode. Okay, um, from Tiger Blood Tapes, Zadik the Jasp, 1988. Uh, this is your standard Mallsoft album. It is super long, and it sounds like you're walking through an abandoned mall. And that sound <laughs> has been done over and over yeah, and over again. Yeah. And I was like, just... Zadik the Jasp, I think, does... He has a lot of albums. He's like an old schooler. But um, yeah, I think it's just like there. Are, a lot of them are like this, and it's just he just churns the shit out and uh, just pumps it out. Yeah, um, not not very interesting to me. Yeah, I stopped listening after like the maybe the fifth track. Honestly, I didn't finish it either. I got through like seven <laughs> tracks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry. Me. I'm sorry, Zeddy the Jazz, but uh, it's not good I'm for not. me. Yeah. Not good for me. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to try a little bit harder, Zadik. <laughs> okay, well, this one we really, I really liked um, from Cavern Brew Records, uh, Graviton, Gravitron oh, slash yeah. Netlink by yes. Girl Mask at Yahoo.jp. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's a genius name. I love that name. I love uh, how like mysterious this fucking album is. I've never heard of this person. Cavern Brew Records is a really low key fucking label, and uh, yeah. It's like yeah. so pure vaporwave, but like so experimental and weird. And yeah, I thought this is a refreshing take on um, the production style of vaporwave. Uh, like it's like the type of uh, distortion that's on the tracks is not. It's much more uh, like old lo-fi, like tape, uh, like like really severe tape distortion. Whereas most, like, Vaporwave, uh, like, the lo-fi sound that they have isn't, like, grungy. It's not, it doesn't sound like it's being played out, out of a broken boombox, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, like, this, the type of distortion that is put on all these tracks reminds me of, like, the lo-fi sound of Aerial Pink or, uh, um, uh, uh, older lo-fi like indie bands, you know. Um, yeah. And I, I thought it was yeah. I think it's cool that somebody's trying to like put vaporwave in this kind of sound in this kind of direction. 
Um, I think the like, uh, like where like most of the samples were probably from like really, like like they sound really obscure, and probably true, from very true. distorted places. I wouldn't be surprised if like most of this was like ripped off of, like some old VHS tape or something. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, I mean, this is like the only. I feel like the only thing that's on this album is just manipulating samples. And mm -hmm. it's just all about repeating samples. And like, if anybody, like, I feel like this is a great album to like describe like what Vaporwave is, what the Vaporwave technique is. Yeah, I feel like yeah. a lot of people nowadays in the Vaporwave scene, like if you ask people like, oh, what are the Vaporwave albums I should listen to? Like they yeah. just start listing off shit that like is in the Vaporwave scene, but doesn't really like, it isn't like, the exact specific technique of vaporwave and it makes people yeah. confused about what vaporwave actually is. People just think vaporwave is kind of like a loose internet, uh, like a group of people making kind of like alternative electronic music. Yeah. Like it's, of... it's just chill vibes, but like this, yeah, there's yeah, nothing yeah. chill on this album at all, but it is 100% vaporwave. See, I would uh, like, I kind of disagree with you there because I think that this, like, like I was saying, like, this reminds me a lot more of pre-Vaporwave electronic, like, electronic music. Um, and a lot of these type of, like, sonic manipulation and distortion that they're doing on it does not sound like the average uh, type of distortion that you hear on what I would consider more classic Vaporwave sounds. Like, this is way more lo-fi sounding. Yeah, I mean, there are, like, a there are, like, a few classic Vaporwave albums that are, like, from the really early days that have a lot, that have a lot of the same thing going on. That you, yeah, but, yeah. <clears throat> like, I mean, to take, like, some really, uh, you know, like, cliched examples, like, uh... Like floral Shop or something? Yeah, yeah, that sounds, it doesn't sound pristine but it sounds much cleaner than this album um and i like this album because it there's sounds some dirty less there's clean. some dirty early ones man i'll have to link you to but like if for any listeners like this sounds a lot like um like fuji grid tv which is an early vectroid album or that one infamous um internet club album i think it's upgrade your life new deluxe life Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this sounds like that to me. Okay. Like, rup, 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 you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, no. That's a but big... I remember you, you showed that to me. I remember the album art. There's like five minutes of that album where it's just like an anime guy going, rup, 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 and then it goes <laughs> like faster and slower. It's disgusting. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay, well, um, yeah, um, I'm yeah, going to so give like... it a... Uh, oh, go ahead. Fuck, I've got to look up the the roman busts oh shit <laughs> yeah, can you do that for me too <laughs> yeah once you get that page up uh just keep it up and i'll um oh just keep it up <laughs> yeah keep it up and, keep it up and i'm just gonna like request that you give me one <laughs> you read one to me <laughs> i'm gonna give it a diocletian um, hmm. He was proclaimed emperor by army after the death of Numerian, and in opposition to Carinus, uh, he died of natural causes at age 66. 
Um, I'm going to say that you give him a, <laughs> you're going to give him a Maxentius. Oh, yeah. How did yeah. you know? Of course. Yeah, Maxentius died famously on the Battle of the Milvian Bridge against Constantine the First. Lit. So, yeah. God, it's so fucking lit. People just, <laughs> emperors just died in battles. Yeah, so why savage. can't we go back to that? That would be so lit. <laughs> God damn it. Anyways. Okay, uh, next, yeah. from Occasionally next. Tapes, we have um, Japanese by Japanese. Uh, what is that? Uh, yeah. Can you read this for me? Uh, Akachi Kurizo. Uh, Berry Candy. Uh, so it's by Berry Candy. And Aka, Aquatic, oh, Aquatic, Aquatic Resort by Berry Candy. Nice. It's very very vaporwave name, especially since yeah. it's in Japanese. Yeah, of course. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Super cool, super chill. I really liked this one, too. Uh, yeah, I liked this one as well, um, mostly because it was all Japanese names, and I enjoy, uh, you know, being able to read those names. uh but yeah once again yeah it's like this is see and this is i think you know one of our huge ideological differences of vaporwave is that and i'm like this you know i'm enjoying it i'm liking it and having a good time with it but just because sorry it does what it does perfectly well but it doesn't go above and beyond it's not blowing my mind so I think it definitely, it creates the vibe that it wants to create. The album cover is great. It might be like the best cover of this, uh, this batch of albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I actually did like this one. I'm sorry. I like this one a lot. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one was super lit. Um, yeah, very clean, very sexy, and... Uh, Smooth, jazzy, lots of sax man yeah, That's my yeah, yeah enjoyable grooves uh good background music but you can also fuck to it okay all right next all right um next um i think this one is really the cream of the crop i was blown away oh yes yeah. album that yes. came out on sunset grid called bait by kid mania and Eight. i will say when i first saw that album cover i was like god damn it this is gonna be shit like it's it's a I'm pretty sure it's a still from the goddamn Joker movie, and I was like, this isn't fucking vaporwave. But um, no, it's oh, how like, wrong you were. Oh my god, it's incredible. It's fucking. Yeah. It's it's the SlimeWire podcast turned yeah. into an album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's so, so wow. good. It's like the entire thing is like a bizarre, grimy rumination on the horror and cultural disgust of america (laughs) yeah i thought that this was like a great like such a good uh uh example of like how you can make a political album that doesn't have any fucking like lyrics or ideological message you know like this is like a pure aesthetic uh but as a purely aesthetic product with no ideological message no words in it oh there are uh, words in there well there there's words, of words in, there. in there but it's not like a, it's not like bob dylan being like we gotta save the whales and the children 
you know, it's not like, it's not some guy writing what he thinks about Richard Nixon and then writing a song about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'd say it's mainly an aesthetic experience, like a pure aesthetic experience that also functions as a critique of ideology, which is really cool. Yeah, and it's just like, it's disgusting. Um, Yeah, and it's super fucking disgusting. It's just fucked. Um, Yeah, um, but I mean, the standout track for me was um, uh, Kim, Candace, and Kanye. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. So amazing. (laughs) Totally. Like, taking samples of Candace Owens, and then I think there's a sample of Dave Chappelle being like, nasty bitch. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I loved all the country music samples too. Like normally that would just sound cheesy and stupid, but he like makes it work in like the context of the album. It's really cool. Oh yeah, it really does work in the context of the album, I thought. Like Little Willie. Yeah. Um Yeah, uh Yeah, dude. Uh that yeah, that Kim Candace and Kanye song, like I've never it, like I've never realized. Kanye West really is insane. Like he really is totally insane. <laughs> but that song made me realize it. Yeah, uh, when you just take a bunch of like Kanye clips. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just it like crazy. Yeah. Um and uh one thing that I like, you know, our ongoing beef within our lives and within this podcast is uh whether, you know, uh just ambient slowed down samples whether ambient music is good um and whether just slowing down samples is enough and this is one of those albums that's like this album is so ambient and it doesn't deliver on the beats and the slaps and the uh the the straight dope and the straight fire the bangers Uh, exactly the bangers uh doesn't have many bangers but since there's so much variety in what's happening uh i am totally down to follow the 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 crazy shit that this guy's doing because there's just so much variety and also because the the kind of weird ambient music that he's making is it's like a concept album it's conceptual it's a story uh and I like listening to this story. <coughs> but All right. that being said, uh, the other thing that is a great, is like, you know, is the cream, the icing on the cake for this album for me is that he has shown me that if he, if the creator of this album so desired, they could make a banger in the song Paramnesia, which is an absolute slap that I would love to listen to in a lowrider driving through a bad part of the town, um, smoking a spliff and uh, peering over my uh, uh, driving wheel. You know what I'm saying? Steering wheel. It's great. Um, I'm going to give this an Otho. Uh, Otho. You're going straight Otho? Yeah. Otho committed suicide after losing the battle of Badriacum. So, uh, damn, pretty goddamn pretty American. Suicide. Yeah. Suicide's American as well. Oh, One of oh the yeah. American pastimes. Yeah. Uh, let me just look up uh, 
Yeah, uh, I'm gonna. I need to be giving him the bust. Okay. Um, well, I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm gonna base it off of some images that I'm seeing. I'm not even gonna read the descriptions of their lives. And I'm gonna give this a. Uh, I'm gonna go Tiberius. Tiberius. Okay. Tiberius. Sounds like a dog. <laughs> it does. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm doing there. All right, next, um, we've next. got Observations from Nowhere by Azinzio by, from Psychomart. Azinzio has been in the scene for a quite a while. Um, and uh, yeah, this album was cool. It was pretty boring. Yeah, it was chill. Yeah. Um, it was whatever. Yeah, didn't really care about it. Okay, next, uh, we've got Pronostico Local by Alternate Skies off of the Alternate Skies. Guys, sorry, you're. Oh yeah, Pronstical Local. Yeah, it was a weather channel. Yeah. Climate wave is what they call it these days. Oh yeah. Chill. Um, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't care about this one. Okay, next. Um, These are the times by Disco Sam from Bogus Collective. I really loved the first track, and I was like, oh shit, this is like some early like 3D blast shit. I thought it was really good. And then as it went on, I sort of just stopped sort of caring about it. Uh, yeah, I didn't, the first track didn't stick out to me that much. Oh, I thought the and first the rest track was of the album. juicy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think listening to it now, I'm going like, oh yeah, that's kind of good. But uh, yeah, it did not jump out to me at all. Uh, I listened to this while I was driving to a mall to get food for thanksgiving and i just kind of had it on in the background didn't uh nothing really stuck out to me okay next uh cuando llega la noche from conexion director from occasionally tapes you got a um, lot of occasionally tapes in here yeah so for the next round yeah we have three from occasionally tapes for the next round what we do next time um i followed like a fuckload of labels so we're gonna have a bunch of different shit to choose from and i'm gonna listen to like 50 albums i'm just gonna give you the cream of the crop you know yeah that's a great idea yeah the send uh, the good ones the real yeah, good ones. yeah. but um this but yeah, one was think... uh like boring at first and then by the end i was by the end of it i had like i was like okay this is cool. i actually did like the end the last couple tracks the last couple tracks there's only three tracks on this thing morgan i thought there's four there's only three. Really? So well, they're really long, then. No, Maybe there's three the minutes. Track. Three minutes, two minutes, and uh, two minutes. I swear there's a fourth track. Maybe it's only for uh, extreme vaporwave enthusiasts. <laughs> Maybe it was only on the download, because I downloaded it. So there might have been a, uh, a bonus track. It includes a download-only bonus track. Well, the downloaded bonus track was dope. Um, huh. Yeah. It was really good. It was my favorite one. Oh shit! Yeah. So that's you got to download these albums, bro. That's all. Yeah, I'm not doing that. That's how you get it on your phone. I'm not gonna uh, put anything that has a Spanish name into my computer. It's gonna that's, have a virus. That was really racist. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Anyway, anyway, moving on. Okay, so these are the these last two are sort of important because they are albums made by vaporwave 
old guard um, sort of coming back. Both of them have sort of not been in the scene for a little bit and they sort of came back. So first on First Class Collective, we have A Knight at Two Kings by Replica Federation. Oh yeah. What'd you think? Um, yeah, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was uh, a good, like, I think you kind of colored my expectations for what it was going to be when you said it was uh, some guy making lo-fi hip-hop. Um, but I came in and I was like, I do get that lo-fi hip-hop vibe, right? Uh, I would like, say, like, the first, like, three to four tracks are, like, pretty standard lo-fi hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, but it kind of, like, there's a little bit of a sexier, like, mink rug type vibe going on through this album that you don't hear a lot in lots of other more sterile Vaporwave albums, and uh, I liked that about it, and I feel like that's, it's like a very, like, you know, if you're going to be a vaporwave artist and your trade lies in uh, exploiting nostalgia, then it's a risky move to to incorporate something, a, a musical style that was so recent, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I liked it. It was risky and it paid off. Well, I mean, when I first like listened to it, first I just like skimmed like the beginning before I considered reviewing it. And I was just like, God damn it. It's lo-fi fucking hip hop, which I'm like, you know, I'm sick of. I'm sick of lo-fi hip hop. It's so You're over boring. It. But yeah. um, yeah, but I really like, I listened to the whole thing. And in the second half, like he's got a lot of really good classic Vaporwave cuts on here. It's very informed for, uh, in, for Replica Federation. If you've heard any of his older albums, which are like, really really good he has a couple like banger albums so i'm yeah, yeah i'm glad replica federation is back he's killing it uh stay away from the lo-fi hip-hop though that shit is don't get too into don't get too into it i no, i yeah. liked the second half yeah liked it a lot um yeah i liked i mean i was the opposite i liked the first half of the album and then i kind of fell off the second half of the album okay, okay. yeah so what's uh, the next thing? Digital Sex? Is yeah, that night, next night Mode by Digital Sex. Um, oh, yeah. Business Casual. This one I thought was a by-the-numbers fill-in-the-little-children's-coloring-book of an album. Um, yeah, I don't like the singing, man. Why do Vaporwave dudes think they need to sing now? Yeah, quit singing. Um, when did your, that start? Yeah, your little crappy white, voice, white boy voice is nothing that people want to hear. Uh, yeah, I thought that like so. This is like once again, this is uh, this '80s sound uh, that, to me, is the worst way of invoking that age of music, which is trying to replicate it directly through the use of real instruments. And um, uh, yeah, it was like you know anything that sounds to me like it could be like uh in the stranger things original soundtrack Gosh. i'm not into it you know yeah so that's that was basically what i was thinking the whole time i had this sounds like it could be in the new in like the back in like the ghostbusters remake i'm not into it Peace. yeah i'm not like too um 
I'm not super opposed to it. I just thought it was boring. And uh, I'm sick of these vaporwave dudes trying to sing. I'm sick of it. It's like a new trend. It's got to stop. Stop trying to oh, sing, guys. Like, just stop. I thought yeah, vaporwave is supposed to be a rebellion against singing. Singing. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be a rebellion against the concept of uh, selfhood. Yeah. And of one guy being like a personality. It's an anonymous genre. Yeah. So, yeah. Vaporwave, uh, we got to make a change, folks. Um, we need to get back to our roots. And we need yeah. to start making stuff more like Gravitron slash Netflix. Absolutely. It's got to We die. can still experiment and make things like Bait. That was also very good. I think yeah. those are the two. Those are, the, those are our clear winners here. Bait and oh. Gravitron slash Netflix. Big standouts, yeah, big standouts. Um, we should definitely, yeah, out of, you know, if we start doing uh, industrial loads of Vaporwave reviews. I'm excited to start too. listening to a fuckload of Vaporwave again. I'm just gonna start listening to a bunch. I actually listened to two albums today. One of them was really, really good. And I can't wait to send it your way. Oh, very good. You should send it to me uh, as soon as possible. I can, I can do it. I could do it right now, but uh, yeah, yeah, you should. You should. Always, always. No, 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 no. Do it, do it. Uh, because I'm gonna uh, study Japanese after this, and I need music. Study. Okay. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Uh, it's really good. Um. All right. Um. I think that about does it for the yeah. Slime Wire podcast this this time. Um. For now. For now, Slime Wire podcast will always be there. Slime Wire yeah. podcast will prevail um do you have anything you'd like to say to the people uh just keep on keeping on you know things are going to get better things are going to get easier uh also uh i so if we're going to do a bunch of vaporwave reviews if we're going to be doing like 10 a piece per episode we need to pick a winner every time okay the winner okay what's the what's your winner well we're two people so we can each pick a winner yeah and have them duke it out Mm, they don't have to duke it out we can just each have our own winner (laughs) we can't have two winners how are we going to objectively decide (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah we'll have them fight okay Um, i'll let you go first okay so yeah so my winner i think my winner this time it's not going to be a surprise is that bait I'm going to say bait, too. I'm going to say bait, too. Yeah. All right, the winner is bait. And we have a winner. Ding, 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 ding. All right, great album. Kid Mania. Killing it. All right. Kill him again. Okay, um, anything else? No. Okay, sayonara. Sayonara. As I look back, I watch
a voice. 